listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Episode 18, How Stressed Are Healthcare Providers During the COVID-19 Pandemic? I'm your host, Karma Chavez, and we're continuing with our series on research conducted by faculty, research scientists, and other affiliates of the Latino Research Institute. Today, we're talking with Professor Nelly Salgado de Snyder, Senior Research Fellow with the LRI. Professor Salgado is a professor and senior researcher in medical sciences at the National Institute of Public Health of Mexico. She holds a doctorate in social welfare from UCLA and a BA and master's degree in psychology from the National Autonomous University of Mexico. She is the founder of the Global Health Program of the National Institute of Public Health of Mexico and the Latin American Global Health Alliance. Her research has focused on the interface of health sciences and social and behavioral sciences in the study of vulnerable populations in context of social inequality. In recent research, Professor Salgado and colleagues conducted a study to describe and evaluate levels of stress, anxiety, and depressive symptomatology and coping behaviors among healthcare workers and providers who serve underprivileged groups such as immigrants, refugees, people living in poverty, homeless, and other socially vulnerable populations amid the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. Today, Professor Salgado will discuss the findings and implications of this important research. Professor Salgado, welcome to Latin Experts. Thank you. Thank you for this invitation, and I am very happy to be here with you. Well, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what prompted you to conduct this study on stress in healthcare workers and providers. Well, the main reason for this study, you know, we were seeing increasing numbers of COVID cases, and uh, at the same time, you know, uh, physicians and nurses and healthcare workers in general were overworked and under a lot of stress tending to the needs of just all the, the patient population. And this particular project was with those providers and uh, healthcare workers who attend the needs to underprivileged, socially underprivileged groups, as you just mentioned, some of those groups. So uh, it has been reported in the literature that these providers suffer a lot more stress and anxiety because they, oftentimes they do they feel they do not have the necessary resources to help uh, their clients. Uh, therefore, they are exposed to increased levels of, of stress, anxiety, and even depressive symptomatology. So I wanted to know how the COVID-19 pandemic was impacting the functioning, the psychosocial functioning, the well-being of these healthcare workers and service providers. And who are these service providers demographically? Is it you know, largely women? Are they people of color? Who are the people that are in this study? 
Okay. In this study, uh, well, let me just briefly mention that uh, we invited people uh, who are affiliated, these are clinicians, and in general, just uh, providers and healthcare workers, affiliated with two national organizations uh, in the United States providing services to these uh, vulnerable groups. So it was a large group of people. And uh, in terms of profession, most of them, uh, about 50% roughly, were community health workers. And the rest were either nurses, physicians, case managers, uh, behavioral health providers, medical assistants, or dietitians. And yes, most of them were women. Uh, about 86% were women. And 75% happened to be Latinas. Uh, most of them were married uh, with children and the family size of about 2.5 uh, people. So, and they, of course, most of them lived and worked in the southwestern states of the United States. And so most of the folks are probably, or many of the folks are here in Texas could be friends and neighbors, people that you're interacting with on a daily basis if you're living here in Austin, correct? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so will you give us an overview of what you found? What's the gist of the findings in this study? Okay. Um, so what we found is that in general, these healthcare workers and service providers had high levels of both personal and job-related stress that was you know, associated with working overtime, that uh, they were, many of them expressed being burned out. Some of them, their uh, spouse had lost their job. The children were at home. So it was a combination of personal issues, job-related uh, issues. And just in general, celebrated mental health was worse than physical health. We also found a high proportion of, of these people, of these uh, providers, with high levels of anxiety and depressive symptoms, which could turn into serious mental health uh, problems if they are not attended. Most of those presenting these problems were women under the age of 50 and uh, had a graduate degree and reported working additional hours during the pandemic. So basically, that's uh, what it was uh, perceived. General stress was low to moderate, with about 15% experiencing high levels of stress during the previous 14 days of the survey. And so in experiencing both the low and the high levels, were there specific catalysts that were leading to the anxiety and stress and depressive symptoms, or was it just the general experience of living through this pandemic as a healthcare worker? I think it was just the social unrest, the concern that uh, is there, you know, during the pandemic. But as I mentioned before, some of them were going through some personal issues, such as their spouse losing their job or being afraid of bringing the virus home and infecting members of the family. So other issues had to do with uh, perceiving that they were not uh, completely protected as far as personal protection equipment and that they felt at risk. 
So this added some stress to what they already were feeling. Right, right. And are these normally considered stressful jobs? In other words, do the people in your study, would they normally test for high levels of stress? So I would say yes, because when you provide services to others, of course, there is a certain level of stress involved. But when it comes to serving those who are already marginalized by society, such as people living in poverty, uh, refugees, migrants, homeless, farm workers, it's harder because they need so much more resources at the general population. And when your institution or your agency or yourself, you are not able to provide all those services, there is a sense of, of frustration that adds to the regular working responsibilities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then with your particular study, what do you think was the most surprising thing that you found? Was there anything that really kind of stood out? Well, uh, perhaps the more surprising thing is that in spite of the fact that these were health workers and that uh, they, I'm assuming they knew about the importance of seeking mental health support for taking care of themselves, only a few sought mental health support. For instance, one of the findings is that almost 7% seek in-person mental health support, and about 21% it was uh, virtual. So they did not perceive the need of uh, seeking uh, mental health when they, in fact, were under a lot of stress. Also, not all of them involved in self-care behaviors such as meditation, exercise, or relaxation. And to me, it's sort of surprising because I assume that if you are in in a job in which uh, you are exposed to so many stressors and you are aware of that, you try to find spaces for releasing that stress to find help if necessary. But of course, I can also understand that the pressure from work is there and perhaps there is no time to tend to the uh, uh, job pressures and family pressures and then taking care of, of the needs of personal needs is, is going to be very, very hard for these providers and healthcare workers. Well, and I, I don't know that your research looked at this, but I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I can't help but feel that there's clearly something about gender socialization that's at play here in that women carry the weight of the world on their shoulders kind of generally. And so they're constantly other-oriented towards their families, towards the people they're caring for, etc. Do you think gender has any explanation here or explanatory power here? Oh, yes, absolutely. Just the fact that 86% of our respondents were women. So we know in general that women are overrepresented in health professionals. We tend to take care of, of everyone, <laughs> families, uh, you know, our co-workers, just uh, part of the gender socialization practices that, that we have particularly in Latino culture. So, yeah, I believe that gender uh, has some explanatory uh, power here because most of these were women. In fact, the ones that had higher ratings of anxiety, depressive symptomatology, and stress were, were women. 
And it's precisely related to the fact that we have multiple roles with women and we try to take care of everything when it's, uh, you know, assume and take on us responsibilities that perhaps uh, do not correspond to us, all of what, all of them, to women. But, uh, but yes, definitely gender is closely related to this. Yeah, it makes sense. And I guess maybe that leads me to another question that's connected to these previous two. And so, you know, mentioning the fact that a lot of folks weren't taking care of their mental health or weren't maybe doing some things that they could have done to support their mental health. Um, so what would you say based on your research then, if someone is a healthcare worker or provider, or if someone listening is a loved one of someone in the health professions, what should they take away from your study or, or what can people individually do to alleviate some of their stress in these conditions? I think something uh, very important that most of them were already doing that is socializing, you know, trying to find support in friends, in families, and uh, that is very important, developing social networks and maintaining this strong networking, uh, you know, support system is extremely important for uh, service providers. And also involvement in other uh, self-care behaviors, such as uh, regular routine exercise, uh, meditation, and of course, nutrition, but all of these are behaviors that will help to control the stress and in general, just uh, to improve the well-being. And I want to make sure we don't just reduce this to a question of personal behavior, because of course, there are bigger policy implications of your study. Um, and so beyond the individuals who are suffering stress, who should take action? Should it only be clinics and employers and professional associations? Or do state and local governments also have a responsibility? I think we are, should all be responsible for maintaining the health of the population. But yes, of course, uh, the results of this study have also implications for policymakers and for organizations, for institutions, agencies where they have healthcare workers learning new healthy coping mechanisms, and just providing the spaces and providing the resources so that healthcare workers and providers can take care of their mental health. And definitely, these healthcare facilities and organizations, associations of healthcare professionals and, and health workers, uh, they should get involved as I said, in promoting these healthier behaviors, but also to, in providing the uh, personal protection equipment that is necessary for them to feel better. And so you offered a number of possibilities there with some uh, online workshops and other kinds of resources. Are, are these hypothetical or are there already clinics and other organizations that are in fact providing these kinds of services uh, for their employees who are healthcare workers and providers? No, these are not hypothetical. Uh, in fact, there are organizations that are already providing these type of services to their affiliates. For instance, Migrant Clinicians Network, which is one of the organizations uh, you know, we work with, is there. There are many online resources that have been developed in the last, uh, I'm going to say the last three months, and the resources are available, and we know that these resources 
do help to decrease the stress levels and to perform better in their jobs. And so with that in mind, if there is one primary audience that you really hope reads this research and does something with it, who would be that audience? I would say healthcare facilities, the employers and associations of healthcare professionals. Basically, these recommendations will go for them. And so what's next then with this research project? So are you continuing to uh, do this type of study as the pandemic goes on, or where does this research go from here? The findings of the research are you know, important even after the pandemic because we may be facing uh, another pandemic, another situation that has a high demand on time and resources of uh, health personnel. So it is important to be ready, to be prepared. So, well, yes, this is the first part. We are conducting, or we already uh, collected a second wave of uh, data, and we are planning on comparing the first wave uh, with the results of the second wave that is six months later. We're working on that. So that should give us an idea of what, uh, if there were any changes, you know, in the last six months from the from time one to, to the second wave. Um, so that it will be important to be prepared for the future and the implications, not only for, you know, COVID, as I said, not only for COVID-19 pandemic, but for other health emergencies uh, are there to, to take care of the mental health of these uh, providers. Well, it seems to me that part of what you're saying too, Professor Salgado, is that uh, what happens in COVID times, which seem unusual, maybe was less unusual and just put pressure points on some of the weak spots that were already there. And so these services not being present, for example, or some stressors already existing just got exacerbated uh, in the pandemic. And that's why the lessons from the pandemic remain so important in this context. Is that fair to say? Yes, definitely. Well, Professor Salgado, I really appreciate having this conversation with you today. That brings us to uh, the end of our time. Uh, But thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for this invitation. And our guest today was Dr. Nelly Salgado de Snyder, who's a senior research fellow with the Latino Research Institute. And I've been your host, Karma Chavez, and this is Latin Experts. Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the communications associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.